Hello, and thank you for joining me on this episode of the Emotional Alchemy Podcast. Before we get into our conversation today, I want to share that the doors for Business Alchemist Mentorship are now open. I created this program to help space holders step toward their in-person or online businesses as a spiritual practice. I know you have medicine you want to share with the world, and honestly, this is why I feel so passionate about this work as a business mentor. It makes my heart feel expansive and warm when I think about how different this world would be if you, as a pattern breaker and as a change maker, felt empowered about sharing your work with your community. It's my way of shifting the tide of extractivist, capitalistic ways of existing. I will be your guide so you can explore the emotional blocks that keep you spinning in circles, and I share practical nuts and bolts principles that will keep your business humming along. We try to keep a solid balance of yin and yang around here. This program is centered on safety, intimate connection with community, and moving at the pace of trust, nature, and purpose. The curriculum and coaching I share is framed on the backdrop of my experience as a trauma-informed practitioner. If you're feeling curious, go check out my website, businessalchemistmentorship.com. We will begin this next cohort in mid-June, and it will be the only time I'm running it in 2024. I recently did an entire overhaul of the curriculum and felt that it needed a whole year to move through instead of the nine-month program it used to be, and I'm keeping it at this nine-month price one last time before I raise prices in 2025. Again, the website is businessalchemistmentorship.com, and I would love to have you join our community. Hello and welcome to the Empowered Curiosity Podcast. Today I have a lovely Kirby Criddle on and when I read her bio it just made me giggle and light up. She calls herself your pussy's fairy godmother. What that means is that Kirby is a spiritual teacher, writer, trauma integration specialist, life and relationship coach, and hands-on, hands-in holistic pelvic care practitioner. And she's in service to the mystical and the physical forces that bring you to your highest self into the world. One of the things that I really appreciate about Kirby and about this conversation in general is I feel like I'm always talking to folks who carry around some guilt or shame about not taking the linear path. And Kirby is somebody who has taken a very circuitous route to land where she is now with her work. And I can honestly say that I am the same. My work in gigantic quotation marks, my work, my career path has led me through so many different roles. And the integration piece is that I can now look back and see that, oh, I use that skill that I learned when I was a veterinary technician, or that's exactly how I hold space because once upon a time I was a bartender, or I feel energetically attuned because I know what it feels like to work with physical bodies as an acupuncturist. And all of that gets woven into this work I'm able to share with you today. And Kirby's exactly the same way. She's picked up so much wisdom along her path. It is and it feels really integrated and grounded. So I'm so excited to share her work with you. 
In this episode, we are going to talk about how trauma manifests in the creation and cultivation of a regenerative business. The conversation, as always, is a bit meandery because that's kind of my jam, but we are going to touch in on how our dysregulated culture systemically keeps us in dysregulation, about how hypervigilance can be a burden or a valuable tool. I think so many of you are going to relate with that piece in particular, just because I know so many of my clients struggle with this, is they feel like, oh, I'm hypervigilant, that's a trauma response, when really we can integrate that and that's a powerful and valuable tool. We also talk about how trauma is stored in the body, particularly in the pelvic root and perineum, and I love being able to nerd out on just body stuff. And and Kirby has just a beautiful way of, of being in relationship with bodies in particular. We also want to share how to support yourself when you or your clients have trauma resurfacing in your work together. Along those lines, we share how safety, what that really means is it's not about reaching a state of never being triggered. It's about reaching a capacity to make conscious decisions, whether that means you need to slow down or mobilize so that you can interact with those triggers as they arise. We also share some experiences around how trauma and wisdom are held in the body and require our attention to metabolize. And in particular, this is something that I am seeking to integrate in my own life is how our brains, how our evolutionary systems are wired to seek connection and how resolving trauma just on your own in isolation is a pretty insurmountable task. And so how we all need co-regulation to be able to metabolize some of our trauma experiences. So, so excited to share Kirby with you. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Please let us know. You can always email me cat at empoweredcuriosity.com and let me know how this episode lands or if there are any suggestions that you have for future episodes or other guests that you'd like to see on the show. I would love to hear from you. I'm right on the other side of cat at empoweredcuriosity.com. Hello and welcome to the Empowered Curiosity podcast. I honestly, I have no idea what we're going to talk about today, Kirby. Um, I'm just going to put it out there that it's just going to be magical and flowy and you call yourself your pussy's, you know, uh, fairy godmother. So we will just go with that flow and I'm sure we'll have so much to share and Um, I love the places that our work overlaps and intersects. And I think we're going to have some juicy, juicy spaces to, to just jam. So welcome onto the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to it since we set the date. We can like hardly believe it's here. It Mm -hmm. feels like Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to start out um, just sharing why I felt so drawn to your work. And then we can sort of play a little bit in those spaces. So my background, before I was a spiritual business mentor, I was a fertility acupuncturist. And I have so much knowledge and wisdom about like the, mm, like sort of the, the nuts and bolts of fertility. And 
in that space, I was seeing so many clients who were coming in and, you know, like the nuts and bolts were okay. Um, or they were coming in with trauma stories about whether it's directly related to their hormones or their sexuality, what have you. Um, and it was affecting their hormones. It was affecting physiology. And so I started really doing a lot more in-depth, more coaching type work with those clients because they were open to it and started to see things sort of unfold. And, you know, nowadays I work in the space of spiritual business mentorship, but creativity is creativity, Absolutely. you know, and, you know, we can apply these concepts around fertility to both actual physiological fertility, but also how that shows up in your life in terms of the creative spirit and how connected you feel to your body. Um, and so when I went onto your Instagram page and you were sharing so many of the things that I just wanted to like spoon feed all of my clients back then, I was like, oh man, I need to just have a conversation with you. And, um, and luckily you were open to to sharing. And so I think that there's a lot of spaces that we can, we can play in terms of creativity, fertility, physiology, trauma, nervous systems, (laughs) like, like we're just going to be nerds together. I think the best kind of friendship, (laughs) but it's true. Everything you're saying, I mean, all those things touch each other, support each other, nurture and nourish each other, right? They're not as separate Mm -hmm. as we think they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'd love for you to share how you got into this work and why it is like the thing that, I mean, it's so clear from how you write, how passionate you are about this. So I'd love to just hear a little bit of your journey into that space. Yeah, sure. It's kind of a long story, but as as short as I could make it, I think just um, a lot of it, you know, a lot of times we want to walk something out in the world because we've experienced it too, you know? Mm. Um, and so the things that have helped us, we want to share with other people or, you know, we want to offer a sense that, oh, I know what it's like to go through what you're going through. You're so not alone. And here are the things that I wish I knew when I was having those experiences, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's all kind of, pretty tangled but essentially to start at the beginning I think I just I didn't have like a typical not that anyone has a typical childhood but I there was a lot of trauma in my life as I was growing up and I think because of what was present you know I learned to be really good at listening to energy right you can't just go Mm -hmm. off what people are saying you need to listen to what else is happening what else is in the room as someone says, mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm. it's okay. Everything's fine. Is it really fine? Am I really safe? What does that mean? You know, and as you practice that over years, you start to become, well, I, I think just as you have to practice that, like you don't desensitize the way the average person does or like is supposed to, mm-hmm. if you feel safe, mm-hmm. if you don't have mm-hmm, all of mm-hmm. those experiences. And so Mm -hmm. in some ways, you know, people could look at that and go, oh my gosh, like what a tragedy. But for me, it's so essential that I use those skills. That's literally what makes my work workable, right? Mm -hmm. I can hear the dissonance. Mm -hmm. I can hear the, 
chasm between what a person is saying and what's really going on for them, which mm-hmm. makes it a lot mm-hmm. easier to get to the root and start to make yeah. some changes quickly. Yeah. You know, a lot of the people yeah. I've been working with clients one-on-one for about 18 years, but I've like basically never not had a sense of energy. You know, when I was little, I thought maybe there was mm-hmm. something wrong with me because I was sensing things that other people didn't seem to be sensing. Um, Mm -hmm. And then as I got older, things started to make more sense. You know, I was met with resources and now I feel fortunate to be, you know, in this culture that's that's more aware of energy, that takes it more seriously. You know, when I started almost 20 years ago, I felt like I really had to prove it to people that energy was real and that it could make a change. And, you know, now a lot more people, whether it's that they've tried all the other things and nothing's worked, so they're willing to try my way, you know, that was more maybe 13 to 10 years ago that started happening Mm -hmm. Um, versus now people understand that your spirit is a vital part of your health. And so many of us Mm -hmm. neglect it, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's out of just like not feeling like we have enough time to nurture our own spirit or not understanding what that even means because we haven't been taught. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're touching on something that is so crucial there. And I think that a lot of my audience is going to really resonate with, which is so many of us grow up in these environments where we were were required to be hypervigilant. And that sense of, is there something wrong with me because I am so sensitive compared to everyone else around Mm me? And yet for many of us, because we are in healing professions, in service-based you know, practices, that actually is a skill that can be honed for good or it can bifurcate into trauma. And so like my own experience, and this is something I've reflected on before, is I feel like my acupuncture career was like a trauma response. It was a, I'm going to take care of everybody. I'm going to make sure that, you know, I'm, and the way that, that modality is practiced now is very, let's fix those problems versus empowering the clients to support themselves. And so for me, it's like a very clear, oh, that was a trauma response. That was a past life. And I'm really grateful for all the things I learned in that past life. But then, you know, this, this new, new ish emergence of my coaching career is definitely a lot more conscious and not coming from a trauma response. And so I'm curious where you've been able to navigate those spaces between, you know, your work being potentially a trauma response versus your work being a really conscious place where you're utilizing your skills in a way that is not, that's actually breaking the patterns that you learned when you were younger, but still retaining that skill set. Totally. You are like, like everything you said, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Um, So for those of you who are just listening to the podcast and you're not seeing that happening, you can go to YouTube and see my face. I was like, yes, that's exactly, exactly it. Um, Yeah, because it's so much of it did come out of recognizing that my family and like myself and my family, we had such a hard time. And so a lot of this work was born out of that reflexive rescue action right? Just wanting to save. I really thought that I could save the world and that I was tasked with saving the world or something like Mm -hmm. that. You know, when I was younger, Mm -hmm. I was like, this is, this is what I'm here to do, you know? And I've realized as time goes on, um, like 
when I say certain things, there's like a bit of a contraction because I'll often say I don't actually really believe in bad or good. And I don't mm-hmm. exactly, but like my human has an opinion about that. You know, my human's like, I don't freaking like this. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here, but yeah. I have a foul mouth. No, <laughs> um, you know, I don't <laughs> like this um, or this is wrong for me right now. But in the grand scheme of things, there's also just these are things that happen and it's not necessarily bad or good. It's just like gathering information. And so certainly, yes. you know, um, abuse and, and different things that happen in, in people's histories, in my own history, like, yes, that's mm-hmm. fucked up. I'm like not bypassing that or glossing over it. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. and alongside of that, for me <clears throat> to walk myself out of that state so I don't remain tethered to that thing, um, yeah. I had to learn to tune into my body and let her guide me out. It wasn't yes. really a process of, like, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just trying to feel better. And I noticed mm-hmm. all these things I was trying mm-hmm. outside of me. Some of them were working, but it wasn't really until I got in touch with my body and I listened to mm-hmm. her messages and I could start to have a deeper awareness and a deeper understanding of why I was behaving in these ways that, like, perhaps seemed erratic to the rational mm-hmm. eye or someone who didn't experience trauma like I did. You know, once I started putting those pieces together, going oh, yeah, this, like, reflexive action is is protective and is actually, you know, trying to protect me from something or trying to move some energy through my system that's been calcified or stuck in there, you know, similar to what acupuncture does, right? It mobilizes things. Yeah. So I think that's kind of how things started. And, I mean, I... I've done a lot of education. Uh, I love learning. Mm -hmm. Um... But I think also, Same. like, my grandfather wanted me to be a doctor. I had great marks in school. And he was like, I don't want to see you waste your your marks, you know? So I think that really stuck with me. And so I took a lot of courses and did a lot of things um, in my 20s and 30s up to now. I'm 37. Um, mm-hmm. But mostly throughout my 20s, it was just like, oh, I need this piece so I can continue to rescue people. I need this piece. I need this piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and while that was definitely a trauma response at the time, I can stand here today and recognize that that trauma response piece was every bit integral part of my journey, an important part of my journey because it brought me to where I am now. And had I not had that experience, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to have all these skills and tools that I can not in a rescuing way, but just in a, I don't know, empowered way, meet people. Yeah, where they where yeah. they most need yeah. to be met, where they're longing to be met, where they're yearning to be met, and they can't find that in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, there's so many things I want to circle back to. Um, where do I want to start with this thread? <laughs> ah! <laughs> um, the first piece that you shared that has been something that I've been chewing over, like honestly, in the last week or so, um, just because it's come up so many times in my conversations with clients is starting with the body. Mm-hmm. And that can be really confusing for folks who have a complex trauma oh history, God, yeah. partially because it's so hard to discern the difference between intuition and instinct and a trauma response. 
And so I'm curious about, you know, I'll share my own answer, um, but I'm really curious to see what you would say to somebody who's like, you know, I keep picking the same kind of person as a partner and I know that that person is not good for me and I know that it's a trauma response, but my body just wants to move towards that person, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, or I have a business and I know that I need to be doing X, Y, and Z. Let's just say, um, I need to be posting on social media or putting out a newsletter, but my instinct is to not say anything and therefore nobody signs up for any of my things, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and they are being led by their bodies, but it's hard to discern that difference between, what is your intuition and, and what is trauma? Yeah. And so how would, you, how would you navigate that with somebody? So first of all, I would just really encourage them to slow down because in a lot of those cases, they're actually almost sort of trying to skip a step. They're like, well, I know this is good for me because if I have visibility with my business, then I'll get clients. Um, but like... Generally, I tend to believe that everything we're experiencing has a purpose. It has something that it's trying to communicate to us. So what's the purpose in remaining invisible, remaining Mm -hmm. smaller, remaining um, protected, you know, and I and it's so different for everybody. It's so hard to generalize Mm -hmm. because everybody has different like we can have the same like similar patterns of experiences happen to us in life, but how we metabolize them is going to be totally different based on our upbringing, yes. based on like so many different things. And so yes. it's hard to say what the advice would be for each person, mm-hmm. um, like yeah. on a general sense. But typically we just try to go way too fast. And if you're noticing mm-hmm. patterns like, oh, I'm picking the same person every time. Well, what is what is trying to be shown to you that you're not getting yet? You know, and and also it's important to say like and sometimes people I don't know if it's I don't say it like clearly enough for people to understand or sometimes people listen from a place of trauma response. But if we're picking a person like we have to remember, too, that a lot of trauma is how we metabolize something, not necessarily what Mm -hmm. is happening. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we can actually this sometimes gets me in trouble. I hope not. (laughs) But we can actually experience a situation as abusive or toxic that is not based on our patterning, based on our window of tolerance and our dysregulation. Yes. So so what we need to do is liberate ourselves from those habitual contractions of this is toxic, this is bad, I got to get out, it's that person's fault, you know, and not to say that it isn't, and and we're not trying Mm -hmm. to, like, apologize or, like, victim blame or anything like that, it's just that this is the way the nervous system works, and because we know that, this is why we need to come back to the body, because it's a, it's not all, it's not one or the other, it's kind of like everything needs to work together. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. I think that there's a, this is where I get into a little bit of trouble too. Um, (laughs) This is why we're going to be friends. If we get in, if we get in trouble, then we're going to get in trouble together. (laughs) Um, So because we live in such a dysregulated culture right now, 
and we have mechanisms in place to actually keep us in dysregulation. Um, I'm thinking specifically like media, (laughs) the government. Um, And we're, I'm seeing particularly with this like younger generation that's coming up, this scanning for threat and not being able to metabolize that threat um, to use your words in a way that's actually really helpful for that individual. And so this has come up a lot with my clients where they're afraid to post something that might be a bit edgy. They're afraid to say something that might be perceived as a potential threat to somebody. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I've had to navigate as my own audience has started to get bigger is like, like maybe when I had a hundred followers, like I could sort of make sure that everyone was cozy and feeling quote unquote Mm -hmm. safe. You know, now that there are thousands of followers, there is no way that I can put out something that is going to just like hit the spot for every single person in my audience. Right. And so there's a difference between being offended and being offensive. Yes. So I think that like just because somebody's offended by your work, offended by something you might say, does not necessarily mean that you are being offensive. Mm-hmm. And this is where I'm always working and what I've gathered from your work too is I'm always working to put integrity, responsibility, accountability back into each individual's hands, mm-hmm. right? And when we do that, it's like, okay, that's fair that that was triggering for you. I'm curious about why that was triggering for you. And it's your responsibility to see if that is actually offensive or is that a trauma response that's coming from your body right and I agree with you that it is really really hard to generalize and so it's like yeah if we go back to that that original sort of ex like example of I'm scared to post something on social media for me a, the slowness is something that is absolute, absolutely needed um, in, in everyone's journeys just because we are such a quick-paced sort of culture that's like we're always on the go. We're always being pushed to make a decision or create an action before we're ready to. Um, but when I think about the times in which intuition has led me versus trauma has led me, there's less story with intuition, often like and the other thing too is that like I think it's as you come back to the body and as you nurture and nourish your spirit you start to recognize that there is a thread that guides you and that guides other people I I think a lot of people assume that oh once I'm healed I'll never feel bad again once I'm regulated I'll never feel bad again that is a fucking fairy tale Okay, I'm sorry to pop the balloon. Honestly, this is why I got into this work. I was like, if I just heal myself of my past, I will just sail off into the sunset happily ever after. That is a bullshit lie that Disney fed me. There is, there is, like, I experience so much joy. I am very, very fortunate 
to do this work for a living that feels deeply meaningful and I just every day I'm like holy shit I can't believe I get to do this you know and I remember working desk jobs and being like why the fuck am I here what am I doing (laughs) you know but but I also think there's this masterful thing that happens and so much of it is how do we internalize it how do we metabolize it um masterful teachers don't always just spoon feed their little baby students sometimes masterful (laughs) teachers send you into a trauma response so you can look at that and go what the fuck that was inside me now i that's not really my style and flavor of teaching um because my nervous system finds that really abrupt and that doesn't really resonate with me that much but i have had an experience in the past where um like a couple of years ago i started working with this teacher and she totally projected onto me and at the time i knew that she was projecting onto me but i was too meek to say anything mm-hmm. and i and then mm-hmm. i totally went into a spiral of second guessing myself like is there something here that i'm not picking up on my body was like no like this bitch is out to lunch but you know but i was like i was so rattled um and i went uh, like dissociated a little bit and i was like oh my god i don't think mm-hmm. i can work with this teacher cuz she's so um, she was just so intense and kind of like just sharp, mm-hmm. you know? And I was yeah. like, oh, this is totally a projection. This is, this is hitting her pain mm. wound. Um, yes. and so then I stopped working with her, but then I looked mm-hmm. back, uh, maybe last year sometime and was like, oh shit, that actually was such a transformative moment for me because that was one of the things that started me like speaking up for myself a lot more and going, man, you know, I need to have my back. And this teacher talks a lot about having her back, having people's backs, you know, and part of what attracted me to her was her ferocity because I was like, I don't have that. And I need that. I feel like I need that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so when I stand here and I look at that now, I'm like, holy shit, that moment transformed me in such a brilliant way. And I don't know if it could have transformed me in any other way other than actually bringing up my trauma around that and then having me go through the experience and distance myself from her and learn some things and go, holy shit, that was actually brilliant. And to be honest, I don't even know that she knows the brilliance of that moment. We just both showed up to the moment and life moved through us in the way that moved us both toward healing. You know, she probably also needs to look at that projection piece and go holy shit this piece is still alive in me and you know and from what I see it it does seem like that's probably happening for her she's brilliant she's masterful um Mm -hmm. and so yeah we just we don't sometimes those triggers like we're not here to to tiptoe around our triggers our triggers are here to show us what needs our love and attention That being said, Mm -hmm, you can mm -hmm. be perpetually triggered and feel like you're in a tsunami and you're going to drown. We don't want to do that either. We want to find the sweet spot. But social media makes it really hard. Yeah. 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 And I think the thing that I want to reflect back there is that your choice in metabolizing that moment, you know, because that was a fork in the road for you because you have every right to say, that was triggering, that teacher needed to take more accountability, she needed to do her own work so that she doesn't project onto other people, 
yes, all that is true. And instead of stepping into the victim mindset of I've been wronged, there's something here that I can't control and everything is out of my own control, you stepped more into the space of actually there is something here that I need to continue looking at. And that's her work. This is my work. And it's not my responsibility to do her work. It'd be great if that experience helped spark something for her as well. But that is not where you needed to go in that moment. Well, that's kind of like, that would be me overstepping because that would be me making assumptions and trying to play God in her scenario. That's not for me to do. I can only know my experience. She might not actually have any work to do. She might be so on the ball. She's just masterfully triggering me and I have no idea. You know, I have no clue. I'm (laughs) not in her experience. So I don't know what that's like for her. All I know is how it unfolded a flower inside of me. And, you know, it could it could have been a flower or it could have been a rolled up piece of garbage. And I'm happy it bloomed into something (laughs) that, you know, I can that's useful. Um, Yeah. 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 And it's something that I think is not talked about enough in service based work. And I'm hearing you embody it in such a really beautiful way, which is I actually think that the most important part of our jobs is to learn how to navigate our own triggers, navigate our own dysregulation, whether that's as a business owner or as a practitioner, because, you know, there are going to be times like there are going to be times when your clients trigger you like that is a Mm -hmm. given like and in those moments of trigger, can you still hold a space of safety for that client? Can you still read their energy and be like, okay, so they need to be pushed in this way or they need to be held in this way and take a moment to be able to detach your own story from that situation and be able to provide that support in a way that feels good and healthy for them. Yeah, you know? for sure. And, you know, this is where I, I think that we've all been fed this, again, here's another myth that we're going to bust is like, if we just collect all these skill sets, if I just download all these different business strategies, then my business is going to take off. If I just take that certification program, then I'm going to be the best, you know, blah, blah, blah coach ever. And Like, yes, all those things are important. Like, I am also a complete nerd, especially when it comes to nervous system stuff. Anything Gabor Mate puts out, even if it's not a certification, I'm taking it. Um, You know, I, I think when we're able to, like, navigate our own nervous systems, we're able to flow more with the instinct part, whether that is with our business or as a space holder. And that's ultimately what we're trying to do. It's not about the modality. Like, it's something that I say all the time is safety is the modality. I don't really care what the skill set is as long as you are helping people access safety for themselves so that they can make their own empowered Mm -hmm. choices. And that ultimately stems from your own ability to step into your own sense of safety. Yeah, and safety is just one part of it, too, because not everybody needs safety. Some people need mobilization right? Safety doesn't mobilize. Mm -hmm. Safety calms and soothes. And there are some people who are too calmed and soothed and need a dragon Mm -hmm. or a jaguar Mm -hmm. or a tiger or something, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Safety is important, Mm -hmm. but it's not universal. Not everybody needs that. This is why we have to meet each person 
where they're at and and sort of yeah just and and be in tune with our own self because so much of that guidance is an inner resource yeah Um, yeah so much of what I've learned I've learned so many different things but I feel like a lot of the most useful things have just come from working with bodies with people yeah. The things that I've noticed, yeah. the, the patterns I've seen, the similarities and differences, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a lot of that comes from just my own process. Like you said, yeah. um, and I think yeah. like when we uh, chatted for a minute the other day there, like you can only go as fast as the slowest part of you. And yeah. when you are in relationship. So whether that's a marriage, I was talking to someone about that this morning, um, because, you know, like when you're in a marriage, you are like karmically entangled now and you can't Mm -hmm. just do all this work and leave your partner in the dust. You're going to experience resistance and friction unless you know how to navigate that. That doesn't mean you can't grow or expand beyond your wildest dreams. You can. It's just that, yeah, we have to learn how to do that either in the container or exit the container. And, um... Yeah. And so same with like a therapist client relationship or, you know, acupuncturist and client or however you want to work it. We are in a relationship for this amount of time. And so if you (laughs) as the client are triggering your practitioner, this doesn't mean you can't get anything from it. But if their nervous system isn't uh, if their window of tolerance is too small to handle what's going on for you. How are you going to expect to bust through that without resistance on their part? Right. So it it is really important for, um, for us to do our own work and yeah, yeah, especially if we're holding space for other people for sure. Um, and I see a lot of, I see a lot of people too, just like that work with trauma that have an incomplete understanding of trauma because they're not working, um, with the body fully. And they're not working with Mm -hmm. energy and emotion. They don't understand how those things actually work within the system. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's like almost the saddest part because trauma healing has been gatekept for a really long time. And it's so unnecessary. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, our bodies are designed to integrate trauma. Like we do integrate trauma all the fucking time. Right. It's not something you can only do if you see a certain person, you know, yeah, yeah, definitely get professional help if you need it. Yes, please. (laughs) Like it's often not something that we can do on our own either because our nervous system is smart enough to know, oh, man, if I don't have support with this and I go into it, I might get stuck. So I'm just going to like wait. I'm not even going to let you touch that or access that because it's too spicy. Yeah, without proper support. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, when I think about safety, it's not for me. And I think it's just like we're talking about the same things, just using different words. Um, it's not just about a calm response, because I've seen that actually work to the detriment mm, of mm-hmm. bodies and energies. Yeah. Um like I'm thinking specifically of a, I do a lot of work with horses as well. And I went and um, observed my horse trainer work with her horse. And it is this like spitfire of a horse. Like she is like, she's had massive, massive trauma in her life. 
And she's just like this crazy, amazing, like dragon of a, of a pony. And, um, she was telling me that her previous owner used to do like EFT tapping Mm -hmm. on this horse when she would go out of like, like basically do horse things, which is like kicking and bucking and running and doing things. Like we all want these animals to keep us safe. And so to keep ourselves safe, we have to try to calm the animal down. And she used to do this like EFT tapping, which would calm her down. But this animal needed to express, like this animal needed to move. It needed to feel safe enough to move and be told like, it's okay for you to move your body. Right. And, and yet when we allow that animal to just do her own thing, she has the potential to hurt herself. I think about this with my clients too. And so our role as practitioners is to hold that safe space so that we can witness and observe that body, do all the things that it needs to express. Because in the, this case, this horse was like, I have all this trauma, I need to get it out of my body. And the most efficient way for that animal to get it out of the body is not to calm down and just like walk it out. She needed to buck, she needed to like run, she needed to do her thing. Um, and I see this with my clients too. I see this when they are, I kind of think of it as like they're testing the waters because a lot of people come with a lot of trauma and they've shared their trauma with people who don't have the capacity to hold it. And so there's a vulnerability, but also a real feeling of lack of safety in sharing their story of like sharing these parts that are like, Ooh, so, as you say, spicy, yeah. so mm-hmm. sticky, particularly when it comes to, I'm thinking of grief and anger specifically. Yeah. And so I find that with my clients, they'll sort of do the horse equivalent of like a kick yeah. and, and like wait and mm-hmm. see and like see how I'm holding that. And if I can hold that space of like, it's okay, you're allowed to kick, you know, you can even kick towards me. That's cool. You know, I'm not going to reject you. I'm not going to run away from you. I'm not going to think that you're dangerous. And I've had so many clients who have been able to move through these like deep, deep layers. But they start out with like a kick, a buck, a bronco, just to see if I'm safe enough to hold them. And I think that that's where real safety comes is, are you safe enough to move in the ways that you need to move, move those emotions, alchemize those emotions? And are you safe enough to slow down if that's what you Mm -hmm. need to? And so it's about this like conscious expression of movement that comes with safety. I'm just like, yeah, that just touched something in me. I felt like a... And then I yawned and then now I'm kind of teary. Mm. I don't even know exactly what it is, but thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's what horses yeah, do too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I, um, <laughs> they like, they yawn yeah. and you know, when they feel a release. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend who, um, a friend and client who's has horses and yeah, they're just so amazing. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't get to spend as much time with them as I would like to, but now I'm like, oh. I, I've been meaning to go out there for a while, so I should probably head out there. 
Um, yeah, I think you're right. We are talking about the same thing. Um, I think largely when people say they want safety or security, they do mean calm. But essentially, yeah, you're saying the safety to just move in whichever direction feels best or needs to be expressed. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that when we feel safe, our bodies know what to do with that. You know? And um, just when we were having tea a couple weeks ago, you shared a story that I would love for you to share about the man with the hearing loss. Oh, yeah. And I think that that just shows us how beautifully our bodies know what to do with that information mm-hmm. once you establish connection, reconnection. Totally. So a couple of years ago, I was working on this um, beautiful gentleman. His wife was a client of mine for a number of months prior and had been trying to get him to come see me for a while. And so he finally came and it was great. Uh, and we worked together and then, um, I, it didn't seem like a particularly unusual session or anything for me. Um, just seemed great. He was like, wow, this is awesome. I'll be in touch for my next session. Then I didn't hear from him for a few weeks and I was kind of surprised. Um, and then he came back and he was like, okay, actually like that last session kind of freaked me out. And I was like, oh, like, you know, just kind of assuming maybe this work is new to him or something. And he was like, no, I kind of have a crazy story to tell you. I was like, okay, sure. So he had been deaf in his ear, in his one of his ears since he was 16. Um, and he used to be a fighter. And, like, he got punched in the ear and he was deaf. And then he tried a number of things to bring his hearing back. And it wasn't coming back. And um, And so I didn't really... I I wasn't working on his ear at the time. I was working through some other things and he said he felt like a release and then he, it felt like something was dripping out of his ear. And when he went to put his hand up, he was like, am I bleeding or is it water? Like what's going on? He realized he could hear out of that ear again. Uh, Mm. It wasn't wet. It was just like a sensation of something dripping out and then he could hear. And then, so the next time he came back and he's like, and I can still hear. Like, so that's kind of wild. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, like I would maybe think this is wild if this was like 16 years ago, but I've just seen way too much shit now to like, I'm like, yeah, I yeah. would expect that. Or, you know, like, yeah. because the root yeah. was not his ear, the ear, right? Everything we're yeah. trying, all these physical pieces, it's not the ear, it's the emotional response to this event or this lack or whatever you know it's it's emotional it's it's stored in the body until we resolve that piece you know this guy was like in his 50s yeah and so it's just it it really goes to show like the wisdom and intelligence of our body um in storing these things until we are in a place where it's safe to let the let those things out yeah absolutely and You know, I think that the way that our medical systems treat our bodies (laughs) is you have five hours further. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Oh my god! The horror stories that I can share from my last career, but like, I mean, the overarching theme is let's break your body up into little pieces. 
let's fracture you from your body. Let's put experts in control of your body instead of recognizing actually that your body is this beautiful storyteller of your life and it's trying to tell you this whole story and the only way it knows how to do that is through what we call signs and symptoms and so when we start listening to the body in the ways that you know you listen to the body and hold space for the body we have no idea what's going to come out of that. Totally. You know, it's not like you were, like you were saying, like, it's not like you were working on the ear specifically. And it sounds like he didn't even really share that that was like a thing. (laughs) Not at all. And it was just his body being like, oh, I can actually finally let go of this story. And as he let go of the story, the symptom resolved. Yeah. Right. And I think that, when it comes to our businesses, our practices, and I want to circle this back into your womb work because I think that this is such a beautiful place to enter this work. Um, We go in trying to fix the strategy. We go in trying to fix the menstrual cycle. We go in trying to resolve pain. And instead, if we can hold space and be like, okay, so why why is that pain there? You know, and ask these deeper questions that are more connecting and actually puts the power back into the client's hands rather than into another specialist's hands. And we realize that actually the wisdom is stored in the body. And there's a reason that it is expressing in this way. Like there's so much that comes out of that. And I think that that's where true creative expression happens. Um, and so I'm curious about if we can interweave either a story or just your philosophy around working with the womb specifically and with the pussy specifically and, and why that is such a potent space for that work to happen. Absolutely. I think that, um, I'm really passionate about working in those spaces because I feel like those are the spaces that women get clouded first and that women most need to be clear to hear that mm-hmm. body voice, that body wisdom, that guidance, right? Um, yeah, and I just, I noticed, I think I shared this with you last time we chatted, um, maybe like 10 years ago, you know, we always think of like, well, when we're dealing with trauma, there's a mental aspect, there's a body aspect, right? We have to engage the somatic aspect. We kind of like know that now. Most people know that. Um, But what I don't hear talked about a lot is that there's a third place and it happens in men and women, but predominantly like I work with men and women and I see this happen more with women than with men. Um, Mm -hmm. That the there's like a corresponding place in the pelvis. The pelvis is kind of like a map of the whole thing. And so if we start with the mental aspect, then we need to engage the somatic aspect. We do our tracking, we do our movement, et cetera. Um, If we start with the mental, then we have to go looking in the body, right? The body doesn't often, it can, but it doesn't often um, resolve on its own that that piece Mm -hmm. if we start with the somatic Mm -hmm. aspect often the mental aspect comes along with 
Uh, but then we usually still have to go looking in the pelvis. There will still be a hiccup in there yeah. for whatever reason. If we start with the pelvis, I find like most of the time the somatic, like the body aspect and the mental aspect resolve on their own. And I don't mm. know why, if it's mm-hmm. just like the pelvis is the root. So it's, you're going to the root. Like we always say, you know, it's a cliche saying go to the root or whatever, but like mm-hmm. literally that could be why I'm not totally sure. I only know that it does work. And so for a number of years, I spent yeah. time trying to teach women how to de-armor you know, um, like use a crystal wand or their hands where they could reach or have a partner, you know, I've like would teach their partners Mm -hmm. what to look for and how to release like adhesions or knots or tension in the vaginal canal, Mm -hmm. in the pelvic Mm -hmm. floor. And then I just realized, um, like I just had kind of assumed, oh, this is a sensitive area. People would probably prefer to do it for themselves. What I forgot Mm -hmm. or maybe wasn't aware of at the time is that that can be really confronting. That can actually be harder to do it yourself, especially where trauma is concerned than to have someone you trust walk through it with you. Right. And, uh, and also angles, you can't reach everything. And as lovely as a crystal wand is like I have crystal wands. I use them. I think they're great. They are not a fucking substitute for hand and the presence of another human being with you. You know, and, and that, that feedback. feedback. And not to mention, we all have mm-hmm. blind spots. We all have stuff. Like, I don't, like, yes, I definitely think um, resourcing power, like having a practitioner reflect back to a client their own power and their own agency is super important. Mm-hmm. At the same time, our brains are wired for connection and relationship for a reason. And there are only things, there are things that we can only get to in relationship. We yes. are not going to get there on our yes. own. We can't. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. these practitioner relationships are necessary. Looking at our other relationships because they're always reflecting and mirroring those pieces to us. Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. having someone with you is, is really important. So then I decided to go to school for uh, hands-on, hands-in pelvic floor body work. And it is mm-hmm. fucking amazing. Yeah. 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 Oh man, I think I need to like make a trip. Out yes, to do it. Just to, <laughs> to, to, to uh, just experience this work. Um, but I think too, there are so many traditional medicines that acknowledge that this is where we hold a yes. lot of our traumas like if you look at the very structure of the pelvic floor and like the pelvis itself there's so many little like hiding spots where it's so easy to just stuff a story in there totally you know and um you know i i think that it's also the place where two of the most important meridians on the human body and actually actually on all bodies um converge is like right there in the pelvis last time we were talking you were asking me about the per- perineum mm-hmm. and like what is that spot and have i ever needled that on on any of my clients and it is such a important part of the body that we don't allow even ourselves to access 
And so we have the Ren meridian, which runs down the front of your body. We have the Du meridian, which runs down the back of your body. And it's that place where those two points converge. And it creates what we call like the microcosmic circuit. And if there's a lack of flow between the Du and the Ren, because it is this like flow back and forth between the two, then I expect as somebody who reads energy, there's going to be a lack of creative flow however that shows up in your life vitality even like yeah Yeah. that yeah Yeah. and it's a space that I've seen so many women have ruptured in childbirth specifically and scarred over and then not tended to and so to have someone like you go in and be like okay like let's pour some love and compassion into this space that has actually physically experienced trauma. And it also experiences trauma when, um, because it's it's not exactly the gatekeeper, but kind of. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so every Mm -hmm. time we have sex that we don't want to have, every time we have mediocre sex and we don't speak up for ourselves about what we would prefer or like Mm -hmm. better, um, it stops being spongy and bouncy and it starts being hard and calcified Mm -hmm. and behaving like a scar, even if there's no scar there, even if it's like, you know, obviously if you're in childbirth and you get a tear, you can understand it's not as flexible until you work on it, you know, but you can remediate scars. Lots of people don't know that you absolutely can heal that area. You can remediate the scar. It's amazing. Um, But we also have to do scar remediation work for women who habitually people please in sexual situations or who have been violated against their will, it still shows up in the perineum and it still affects, um, that's, is, uh, Ren and Du, GV1, CV1, Mm -hmm. is that same? Like, yeah, Yeah. exactly. It still affects that circuitry. You know, I, um, technically I'm still a Kundalini yoga teacher, but I am not like actively teaching classes right now. But I just would really notice a lot when I would get my students to put their tongue on the roof of their mouth as we start breathing. And I could see the circuit like being sluggish in a lot of people. And I'd be like, what is going on here? Yeah. Yeah. Because especially if we're not intentional about that orbit, you know, about the awareness Mm -hmm. or or, um, Mm -hmm. sometimes I, I talk about it as the wave. Right. So when we breathe in, there's a wave that comes from the crown of the head all the way down to the bottom of the feet. And that same wave comes up as we breathe out. And that sort of synchronizes all of the diaphragms in the body. Most people only know about Mm -hmm. the one diaphragm. Right. But we've got one in the head at the collarbone at the one we know about the pelvic floor. And we have them in the The bottom of the feet. Right. And they're all meant to move in symphony or in synchronization Mm -hmm. and so yeah Mm -hmm. all of these Mm -hmm. all of these bits are important um for the perineum to work properly even yeah yeah Yeah. and we look at the perineum and we think like oh not a functional organ or not a functional part of our body it's just sort of there to like bridge the space between you know and like i like And this is where I think I want to sort of like circle back to something that you said earlier, which is we are social creatures, we are relational creatures, and there's an aspect of our healing work that is self-regulation, and there's an aspect of our healing work that is co-regulation. And, but with both of those aspects, the key is being able to access the parasympathetic part of your body, because when we are able to access that, 
like on a physiological level, if we're thinking specifically about the pelvic floor, we're thinking about the perineum here, um, it restores blood flow to those parts of your body. You know, when we're in a sympathetic mode all the time, and this is something that I saw as a fertility acupuncturist, I was working in Vancouver, like crazy long hours of work, these women, um, on the go all the time, in living in a city where there's just noise all the time. And so your body, like, it can't help but be in a sympathetic mode, right? It's actually physiologically important for it to be in a sympathetic mode, if that's what your lifestyle is like. And when we're in a sympathetic state, then a lot of blood flow goes up to the brain, to the extremities, to the heart and lungs, and it restricts blood flow to the pelvic floor, to the womb, to the perineum. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's not like, to me, it's like such a superficial thing to say, like, oh, if you're trying to get pregnant, just reduce stress. Like, there's a reason why is because your body is wired up to prevent that flow because if you are being chased by a bear the last thing your body wants to consider is your reproductive health right and so if you are working 60 hours a week the last thing that your body wants to consider is reproductive health and so if we want to restore physiological creativity in the body i always think about okay so how can we restore blood flow to this very crucial part of your body and I think that that extends beyond into energetic creation as well you know if we're in a parasympathetic state then we can see nuance we can see the gray space we can see like oh there's a different option there's a different flow here slow down because we have time in sympathetic you don't have time it's this or this now (laughs) You know, and and I think exactly right there is like that binary split, this or that, you know, us versus them. Totally, and that's you know, option A or option B. And and I think you like hit the nail right on the head. And also, we have to talk about our phones and social media, because I like (laughs) technology does a lot of amazing stuff for us, but it also causes us to be in the sympathetic more often. Mm -hmm. We're getting totally stimulated, like. When we lay down, what's the first thing most of us do? We grab our phone, go for a little leisurely scroll. Your body's at rest, but your nervous system is not at rest. There's light. Yes. There's, um, there's all these different things, um, you know, happening like, to stimulate us. And so yeah. we're, we're not getting the downtime or the down regulation that we need. We're staying stimulated. Yeah. So at a time yeah. where we think we're getting rest we're not getting the rest that we actually need. And our brain is so smart, goes, well, you know, I've noticed you haven't been using your parasympathetic response during the day very much. So why don't we just like, I'll just put that on the back burner. Yeah. So then we notice like uh, an increase in like mental health difficulties and inability to relax and increased stress and all these different things because we're constantly interrupted by these. And they're designed to be addictive. They're designed to make us want to go for them all the time. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's really to our neural detriment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to me, it's like, that's like, this is like the epitome of anxiety, right? Is 
when you've got one foot on the gas and one foot on the brakes and what you just described, like I'm going to go for a leisurely stroll on social media is your body is in a brake mm-hmm. situation, but your nervous system is in a gas so situation. And so exactly. And it takes gas exactly. to spin your tires as far as I know. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and essentially your body is doing exactly what is appropriate. Like, it's not like your body is broken or wrong for having anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're, we're putting it in a situation where the only option is for it to spin its tires, yeah, totally. right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. we're just not really talking about that enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. people make a lot of money off of certain things, you know? They make a lot of money off people being addicted to their phones and separate from themselves yeah. and disconnected from their body's yes. wisdom, you know? I talk to my kids a lot about, like, there's a reason that when we all pay attention, usually we go on our phones because we think it's going to be a fun time. And sometimes it is. We watch funny cat videos or whatever, you know, but a lot of times we scroll and then we feel worse after. We're like, oh, we didn't get the payoff we wanted. Whereas when we go for a walk or we go skating or cross country skiing or, you know, anything outside, it's winter here right now. Um, but when we make the time to do that, like I talk to them a lot about how happy I get, you know, I might experience a little bit of Mm -hmm. resistance at first, like, oh, I'm a little bit tired. I don't know if I want to go and put all my winter clothes on and go outside. Every time I do, I'm so happy within like 10 minutes. I'm just like, why don't I do this? Well, I do do it all the time, but you know, like just thinking about (laughs) that, like, why do I think I can go to my phone for that level of satisfaction? I, I don't mm-hmm. get it um, in the same yeah. way. It's not as, yeah, um, yeah it, doesn't, it doesn't reach inside me the same way. So I'm always like, go outside, yeah. go outside. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, to me, like, there's a distinction between those two activities because scrolling on social media and, you know, I say this with so much, love and compassion because you know my business is built on social media so like again lots of good um, things that have come from social media and I love the community we met on social media so thank you social media this is what I mean like not to shit on it but just to be aware yeah yeah and like when we go to social media looking for and again this is where I think that nuance is needed looking for that quick hit of dopamine it's not going to be as fulfilling as you putting on all your winter clothes and getting your snowshoes on and going for a walk in the woods, mm-hmm. you know, and it's because there's a healthy level of striving that is required for us to gain a deeper sense of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, actually like our relationship is a really good example of this is it's not just about scrolling and being like, oh, cool. Like I'm going to get that quick little sugar hit from social media. But like I had to be vulnerable and be like, hey, do you want to be my friend? (laughs) Like there's like a healthy striving, right? And so when we start looking at even the things that bring us like these quick dopamine hits and start looking for opportunities for healthy striving and ways to build in deeper connections. Um, I think that it is possible 
to bring a healthy mirror to even these things that I, again, it's, it's never a black and white no, situation. No, never. And even as you were saying that, I was like, oh, I can imagine someone being like, well, what if someone's confined to a bed and they can't go for a walk and social media is all that's available to them? Like, we're probably not talking about those people, you know? And also, if you know someone like that, please go spend real in-person time with them because they yes. need that, um, you know? Uh, and so, mm-hmm. like, make their life better by, like, real human interaction, um Mm -hmm. that isn't dependent on a screen or whatever you know Mm -hmm. but if you can you know there's so many people who can make different choices or can make different changes but they don't because they feel guilty it's not accessible to everyone or whatever but like you are the steward of your own life you know and ultimately Mm -hmm. if you feel like shit you're not really gonna help other people around you feel better either Typically, when a group of people feels like shit together, what do they do? Talk shit and create shit. (laughs) Right? Like, we do. We don't want to be bypassy. We want to take care of our feelings in skillful ways. Right? But, like, gossiping and taking other people down is not the most skillful way to do that. Nor does it heal those Mm -hmm. feelings or process them. It actually just, like, creates kind of more of a cesspool. So, yeah, yeah, when we have ways that we can invest in to do that healthy striving and um mm-hmm. yeah our we we do benefit from it most of the time yeah. yeah yeah and i think that there are opportunities in every situation mm-hmm. you know even if you are somebody who's confined to your bed and the only source of entertainment that you see within your four walls is social media i would invite someone in that situation to also look for moments where they can do some healthy striving. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is, you know, obviously going to look really different, but that's okay. This is why we don't generalize advice, you know, and yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Yeah. Hmm. Just trying to think of where to, is there anything that you feel like you are like dying to say out in the world hmm only like everything at every moment but that's why I have an Instagram (laughs) platform (laughs) um yeah you know honestly I just think there are so many things um that we misunderstand um but again it's not always something we can generalize right um Mm -hmm. I think that yeah the world really often does misunderstand trauma, mi- misunderstand many things, you know, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff I see online. And also, I mean, that's pr- potentially just like a fringe community, but because you see it often and because certain people are loud, it seems like it's happening a lot, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's just so many people who are just so reactive and really wanting mm-hmm. to blame other people. And yeah, as much as I feel, how do I say this? It's interesting because a lot of those people post memes like, be the person your friend feels safe with, or, you know, like really wanting to create a lot of safety. But at the same time, um, those people are like potentially creating trauma for other people. Right? And so... 
I just wish everyone had the capacity to slow down. You know, mm-hmm. and, and when, we're, mm-hmm. when we're on social media, sometimes it doesn't feel like we have the ability to slow down or step away, but we do. We can shut our phone off and just put it down and do some breathing or call a friend or go to therapy, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, yeah, if I could, if I could see something, if I could wish for something, it would just be that, yeah, people would just slow down create space mm-hmm. I know tons of people who are like I don't have the capacity to slow down I'm like dude you spend eight hours on social media a day like you're constantly on social media so you actually do have the capacity you just need to shut your phone off and go outside yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah it's something that I think um I mean you haven't shared any specifics about what's happened in your relationship to social media, but I've certainly been the brunt of people trying to call out, cancel, you know, yeah. say harmful things. Um, and, you know, it, it, you're right in that, like, if I like reflect back on those experiences, they have mostly come from people who are advocating for safety you know and and actually people who are wanting to see a different culture when it comes to our ability to access mental health and you know access healing for ourselves but to me call out culture specifically is not the way we get there (laughs) you know it's a, it's important to identify problems, but it is, mm, how to say, that's only a part of the solution. Yeah. You know, I think a really big part of the solution is really doing the nervous system regulation work. Yeah. Really understanding where you might be getting tripped up or being triggered, where there wasn't where there was possibly a misunderstanding, you know, instead of an offensive thing being said. Totally. And, and yeah, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, like I'm totally cool with all those experiences. Like they still dysregulate Mm me. And, you know, similar to what you were sharing earlier about your teacher, like it's still a learning opportunity for me to continue to hone in and see where I need to do some deeper work in the places that I get triggered. Totally. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that is subconscious work, right? And so a lot of it isn't necessarily work you're going to do consciously that you can see, right? And so Mm -hmm. um, that's a big part of it is having access to someone who can walk through our subconscious with us. This is one of the reasons mm-hmm. that um, I created Open. It's like an online monthly gathering that I have. It's for creatives, mystics, empaths, and other highly sensitive people. Because mm-hmm. it's an opportunity to, um, first of all, bring our parasympathetic system back online the way that it's meant to be, mm-hmm. right? We're reminding our nervous mm-hmm. system, hey, we've got this swath of resource that we maybe haven't been utilizing to the best um, of, you know, to the degree that we need that support. So let's do that again. 
Um, Mm -hmm. But also, I think just, yeah, just giving that space um, for, mm-hmm. for processing through the subconscious mind, because we don't, right. we need to remember our conscious mind is like 10% of our experience. The, the driver of our life is our subconscious mind and the collective unconscious. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. let's not also mm-hmm. not be so hard on ourselves when we are, we are struggling with things because it's not always as easy as what we can see. The world will always yeah. reflect back to us the contents of our subconscious mind. Yeah. Yeah. And something that I feel really called to like also name. And I think that this goes back to what we were saying earlier of like everyone's experience is individual. And so we can't generalize advice. And what I'm seeing is a lot of work around regulation being about hacking the nervous system. Oh, yeah. And like, if you feel like sort of like how I was sharing with the horse, it's like, oh, this is like a, a quote unquote crazy wild horse. Let's just do EFT tapping. So we can extract and, from it. You know, We're in an, a fucking exactly. extractive transactional relationship with our life force. And exactly. that has to, um, like it's, it's a part of the journey, right? I think it's, mm-hmm. it's a part of the journey. I've also been in an, in an extractive relationship with my life force, with the feminine force mm-hmm. inside me also, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then once that stops or once that lessens, right? Because I still catch myself habitually doing it. And then I'm like, oh, why mm-hmm. am I treating myself in this way? Why am I doing this to myself? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Then I have the capacity to change that a little bit or hopefully a lot. Yeah. Um, exactly. But yeah, that's a super common thing. Like, well, if yeah. I give you this, you'll give me this. So if we can just calm you down, then you can do what I want. Yeah. And yeah. Or if we can just calm you down, then you won't feel anxious anymore. You won't feel bad anymore. And it's like, actually maybe that was a situation where you needed to feel bad. And that's actually, well, again, what's the, what's the root? What's the payoff? If you don't feel anxious or bad anymore, what does that mean? You know, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, it means that I don't Mm -hmm. have to do the work of caring for a dysregulated horse. Or I don't have to fix yeah. the fence post yeah. it broke. Or I don't have to take it to the vet yeah. and spend thousands of dollars because it broke its leg or whatever, you know? Yeah. There's usually yeah. something inside of us that we're like, I don't want to do that. So can you just get convenient for me? And same with yeah. ourselves. Yeah. You know, we probably do it with ourselves yes. most of all. We're like, oh, can you stop being, can I stop being so sensitive so I can just produce X, Y, Z? You know, yes. for years, I yes. was so pissed off about just getting sidetracked with relationship stuff or family stuff I was like I am here on a big mission I have all this work to do and I'm just getting sidetracked and what I didn't realize is that is that was the development of my work that wasn't a sidetrack that was an important journey I couldn't have created vessel without my life you know um I couldn't do any of the work that I do without also seeing how it plays out in my life Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think, yeah, just recognizing that wherever we are, like that's where we're there because that's where we are. You can't actually yeah. be. And again, please don't attack me for this Internet, but you can't like really actually be in the wrong spot. Like, yes, there can be mm-hmm. at the same time. Shitty things can be happening to you. Horrible things yes. can be happening to you. I'm not saying those things should be happening to you. I'm saying that based on what I see, they are part of an evolutionary process that brings you to a point or a series of points 
on your own growth map, whatever, whatever you want to yeah. think of that as, you know, yeah. all the hard yeah. things that I've gone through have been, you know, fairly purposeful. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and there was a time mm -hmm. in my life, you know, and definitely when I was in it, I'm like, do not talk to me about purposeful. I don't fucking <laughs> want to hear it. And, and fair <laughs> enough. And that's not the time to be reflecting yeah. on that. You're just trying to survive in those moments. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. and you know, there's, there's a lot of shit that in my life, even now I could ruminate on and be like, I wish this was different. And yeah, like honestly, some days I'm like, holy shit, like given where I come from and all the things that are, ha that are always happening. I'm like, how am I doing this? This is crazy. Right. Yeah. But all of those things were just were and are and continue to be part of the journey and part of what makes me, me, um, mm -hmm. you know, not that, not that we are our personality or the things that happen to us, but we get to see our essential nature in those moments. Right. Yeah. I remember a couple yeah. years ago, I was having a conversation with my son. We were talking about trust and about heartbreak. And, um, I was like so much of the time we create this like weird checklist for people. We're like, well, okay, so here's my criteria. And if you check all these boxes, then I'm going to reward you with my trust at the end. <laughs> and if you don't do it, I'm not going to give you my trust and I'm going to punish you. Right. But the thing is that keeps us in a trap. Because we're constantly like, I can't be myself. I can't be authentic. I can't let myself out because I can't trust you. Yeah. When we yeah. stand where we are and we look at all the things that we've been through and we go, oh man, I made it through that. I figured that out. Oh, okay. I'm still here. This, okay. That, that was really hard, but I made it through. These things make sense. I know so much more now because I've had experience with that thing. We start to realize that oh my gosh, through everything that I've been through, I've made it through. And lots of times I didn't know if mm -hmm. I was going to make it through. I didn't know what to do yeah. at the time, but I figured it out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We can start to trust that we're going to be okay no matter what happens to us. And once you have that piece, I'm going to be okay, then it's, it matters way less what other people do because you're going to yeah. figure it out. You're going to figure yeah. it out. Um, so you stop having those checklists and you start mm -hmm. to relax and you start to go, okay, we'll just deal with it in the moment. I don't have to be so hypervigilant mm -hmm. and get ahead of all the little things, you know, even though my human yeah. still loves to be hypervigilant and get ahead of things. My husband <laughs> will be listening to this and laughing because he's like, yeah, you're still, you can still get that way. Like I can get what I call yeah. squirrely and then I'll be like trying to control things to feel safe, you know. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is heartbreak. So when we have those things happen that are so devastating that we don't know how we're going to walk out of, we don't know how we're going to move forward or move through, what I realized is that often those are pivotal moments that we're like, we're actually bringing too much baggage with us. We're actually trying to do life in a way that's not supportive for us. That yeah. is like the giant cosmic hand coming down and being like, drop those bags right now. <laughs> and when you drop all those bags, all those things you've been like storing up and not forgiving and trying to hold on to and that you think define you, make up your identity, you drop those things and you look around and you go, holy shit, it's all gone. Mm -hmm. And then you look down and you go, oh, I'm still here. 
<laughs> oh, I wasn't any of those things. I'm this other thing, right? A lot of people have that experience mm-hmm. when they first mm-hmm. start meditation. They're like, oh, I'm behind all those crazy thoughts. Oh, yeah. I'm there underneath. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's me. Oh, mm-hmm. I want to get in touch with that more. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and the um, the thoughts and the actions and the behavior patterns and stuff are still, they're part of us. They're trying to communicate something or express something through us and they're vital we don't want to cut them off and push them away because they're they're part of us Mm -hmm. but they're not they're not something to get tangled up in and fucked up by or feel ashamed about absolutely yeah and it's something that I know that I can personally attest to which is like once you start releasing the conditions on yourself and on your own life, you stop holding other people and, you know, the world <laughs> to an arbitrary set of yes. conditions. Totally. You know? And so when I think about those experiences that I've had on social media where people have tried to call me out, like, like they're trying to hold me to a condition that is actually not something that I've put on myself like they are trying to place that on me and so like it's a reflection of their own wounding yeah when that stuff comes up we Um, talk about that in sovereign beings that people we we've made these like like and and when when we find ourselves being pissed off about what other people are doing it's because we've assigned an unconscious contract to those people we're like (laughs) Didn't we both yeah. say that we would betray ourselves for each other? You're not doing that. How dare you? You know, didn't we both say we would do that thing that's shitty so that you could be comfortable and I could be comfortable? Right. Right? right. And so, no, you did not sign up for that. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's uncomfortable because that shows a person who is still operating under that, um, you know, MO or that agreement that, yeah, it's not a yeah. universal agreement. And also, it's not a condition of being a good person. Yeah. One of my teachers yeah. always says, like, if you need an agreement to be a good person, you're not a good person. If you need a <laughs> script or a formula to be a good yes. person, you're not a good person. Yes. Yes. That's not good. That's fucking blind following. Mm-hmm. If you want to be good, be mm-hmm. good. Whatever that means. And I think that our bodies lead us into that space of goodness. Only your body can. What, you're going to trust your mind yeah. to lead you into that space? You're fucking all <laughs> over the place. No. No. It's not a mind yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 yeah it's Absolutely. that body thing. And so, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, creating that safety, that space. And, yeah, really doing, like energetic womb clearing is huge but then also like physically doing that if that's accessible to you um yeah Mm -hmm. it really just makes a big difference checking if you have Mm -hmm. a uterus Mm -hmm. check your uterus's position you know um Mm -hmm. i struggled for years trying to feel grounded i was like oh it must be because i'm a libra i'm airy blah 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 you know i'm gonna struggle more right but what was actually true is that my uterus was retroversed. It was it was in the improper position. It was tipped back. And mm-hmm. I've been to numerous. I went to like pelvic floor physiotherapists. They didn't know what to do about it. Um, 
I had some other work done and, but it never really quite like settled it back into place. Uh, A lot of people didn't know what to do. And then when I went to school, my teacher was like, oh, this is really easy. I'm going to show you guys what to do. And we learned how to do it. It's Mm. so simple. And all of a sudden, like, I just, I cried for a really long time, but just like happy. I was like, I can feel my legs. I can feel my legs Mm. and my feet without trying. All these years, I've had to wake up in the morning and do a grounding exercise and get, like, my legs on, you know? I don't have to do that. And now I can also feel my uterus is very emotionally responsive, and so I can actually feel her pulling into retroversion sometimes if I'm putting my body in a position she doesn't want to be in. If I'm having Mm -hmm. sex when I want to say no, right? Mm -hmm. She's like, ick, ugh, don't, no. (laughs) fair enough you know yeah yeah my uterus does not have time for my people pleasing tendencies Mm -hmm. no Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and again it's that situation where she's trying to communicate Mm -hmm. with you yeah you know and you know beautiful that you have that conversation with her But for a lot of people, and, you know, we're not taught how to have conversations with our uteruses or our Mm -hmm. feet or, you know, all these diaphragm points. You know, for me, like the diaphragm that mostly goes out is the one that most people know, which is the ribs. And it's like, oh, my breath, like, where did my breath go? You know, and, um, and so if we can start looking at those places that feel like signs and symptoms and instead of assigning them as something that's wrong about our bodies, you know, start thinking about what is it trying to communicate? Like your uterus is literally trying to hide from having totally, sex. Like, right. <laughs> like and doesn't yeah, want to do and it. And I'll know that like, you know, sometimes <laughs> there are times where I'm like, I'm not that into it, but my husband's really excited mm-hmm. about it. I'm like, I could, And my body's on board Mm -hmm. and it's fine. Mm -hmm. It's only that response when I like haven't really checked in with my body and made sure my body's on board or my body's a clear no Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to override her for convenience, right? I'm entering that extractive bullshit relationship again. I'm like, well, I have to do this so I can get something out of it, right? Right. So my husband won't be cranky or whatever it is, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah, we we don't have to do that. When the body leads, we don't have to do that. Instead, I can have a conversation with my husband and he'll be like, oh, I'm I'm not going to be cranky or whatever. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, I was just making up that story in my head. (laughs) Like, oh, it's just my monkey mind trying to make me do dumb shit again or whatever. Well, I mean, like, it's... And this is my story, so, like, correct me if it's not necessarily your story, but, like, when that has happened to me it's been in past relationships where the the consequence was crankiness or the consequence was actual violence or the consequence was something that I didn't want like that was worse than the sex totally you know? yeah and so you know as a survival strategy your monkey mind is like okay so if we don't do this thing if we don't override the body then there's a bigger consequence that I'm not willing to put us through. And so therefore, like, let's just do the thing. Totally. Um, When that is not the story of the moment 
in my current relationship, you know, similar to you, like if I were to tell my husband, like, hey, not really feeling it, like, it's not like he would be offended or like pouty or sulk or like be upset or, you know, put any sort of condition. But it's an old yeah, story that alive. has kept, yeah, has kept me safe in exactly. the past. Exactly. And so I think yeah. also my uterus probably communicates with me that I don't need to run that story anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. we're, we're a lot safer. We're not, cause if you're in survival, like again, you're not picking up those things from your body. You're probably not even noticing cause mm-hmm. you do, you don't have the capacity mm-hmm. to, if your basic needs aren't yeah. met, if you're, you know, otherwise in danger for some other reason, like, yeah, it's really, really tough. Yeah. And I mean, we're trained to do that from childhood, yeah. you know, Think about what a little kid wants to do. It's like, wants to be out in nature, wants to run, Mm -hmm. wants to play, wants to scream, wants to be expressive. And we push our little bodies into desks and make us do schoolwork for however many hours a day. Um, and, And that is like a huge override on our body systems in order to, again, you know, feed an extractive system. Yeah. And if we can just go back to our animal natures Mm -hmm. and see that as being inherently valuable. Yeah. um, See our slowness as being inherently valuable and wise. I think that there's so many things that would shift in the world. Totally. And I I feel like that doesn't mean that we all have to move to the woods and like cut ourselves off from modern society. You know, lots of people hear that and they're like, what does that mean? I have to be a farmer now? No, (laughs) no, that doesn't mean that. You can still do all the things. It's just alongside, right? Like Mm -hmm. we both run businesses on social media. I'm so grateful that social media exists because we can do these things that our parents could not do. It's amazing. It's like mind blowing to my family. They're like, how you run a business online? What is that? Like what? You know, I do in-person work as well. Obviously I'm not doing pelvic work on zoom (laughs) through the screen or whatever, (laughs) but you know, it's, it's just interesting, um, that yeah, like having a love hate relationship or or just acknowledging the difficulties. Right. So I know for me to interact in this modern society that allows me to do the work that I'm doing, that allows me to get my work out to all the people that need it. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause there's so many different things that I do and so many access points for people who have no money, mm-hmm. for people who have more money. Like there's, there's a lot of ways to work with me in the world, but for those people to know about it, I need to use that tool. That doesn't mean I have to yeah. be beholden to that tool. Right. Yes. I can get, I can have boundaries yes. around that tool and and for for myself as much as anyone else, right? Like mm-hmm. I just, mm-hmm. I used to just get so squirrely around launch time because I would just feel like I'm constantly on my phone, fielding questions, all these different things. And now I'm just like, hmm, if I have to convince you, I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> like, yeah. you'll know if it's the right <laughs> thing for you. And not to say, like, I do ask, I do answer questions, but I'm not going to spend an hour trying to, um... Yeah, I just don't, yeah, I don't, I don't need to, I don't have the capacity to, um, if it's the right thing for you, you'll, you'll know, and you can ask me a couple of questions, but I don't need to, uh, wind, be wound up for an hour, um, and then not have that time with my family or, you know, actually working, um, you know, 
And so, yeah, we just kind of have to notice those things, right? Oh, (laughs) sometimes I feel shitty when I use social media, so I'm going to have boundaries around it. If I want to go on, maybe I'm only going to watch funny cat videos for 10 minutes, (laughs) right? That's that's it. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to curate my experience, and then I'm going to go for a walk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to go live mm-hmm. in the woods. You don't have to be off grid unless that's your thing. You know, I would like to live in the woods <laughs> yeah. someday probably. But but mm-hmm. right now I have five kids and living in the city is like the easiest thing for them. And mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. so I'll just be a baba who lives on a boat or in the woods somewhere or something, you know. <laughs> you can just come visit me yes. in my woods. Oh my when... gosh, I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my dear, I would love for you to share with our people how we can find you, what are the containers that you are currently sharing, and um, yeah, just make it easy for, for yeah. folks to Yeah, to absolutely. Um, so I do a lot of stuff through Instagram. I find that to be the easiest medium. I can cross post to Facebook. So if you don't have Instagram, but you have Facebook, you can find me there too. Um, but I'm at Kirby Criddle. I'm sure that you'll have that somewhere people can click oh, on. The show of notes course. will be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, but I do also have a booking link so that you can like book in for one-on-one sessions. So I do a variety of things. I do holistic pelvic care, so hands-on, hands-in, in-person pelvic work uh, that includes trauma integration, energy clearing, and harmonization, as well as the internal work um, and the body work, as well as I do one-on-one. Um, sessions called Luminous, and they're essentially um, an energy repatterning and trauma integration work piece, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as some coaching. And I do life coaching and relationship coaching. I have a six-week emotional intelligence container that I run called Sovereign Beings, and that just basically makes interpretation um, and metabolization of our emotions easier (laughs) because, you know, we don't get taught about them. We don't understand the full spectrum and I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I wish I could just get rid of fear. I wish I could get rid of anger, just never be angry again. But the truth of the matter is that our fear and our anger do really valuable things for us. Those frequencies, like we would die if we didn't have them. And so Mm -hmm. we can start to appreciate and we can shift our judgment and disapproval of those emotional states um, when we go through this container and and learn things we didn't know about them, you know, the vital aspects how we've been misunderstanding and misjudging them. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I also have a six-month container for women called Vessel. uh, And that Vessel is for the care, protection, and maintenance of your feminine range in a world built for men, uh, a.k.a. how to not let the world fuck up your light. (laughs) So um, Vessel just started, and we're in week two. We're actually doing um, week two of Sovereign Beings tonight because when you join Vessel, you get Sovereign Mm -hmm. Beings Because, you know, when we're in a container like that, it brings up our stuff. And so uh, Sovereign Beings helps you to be with your triggers, right? Because our triggers always produce an emotional response. So it's like, well, fuck, Mm -hmm. what do we do with that now? Well, this is how Mm -hmm. we be skillful with those things. Um, Yeah, and then there's monthly open. So open is breathwork and yoga nidra, which is like guided meditation on steroids, um, it's mm. just really, really amazing for repatterning subconscious, integrating trauma, and just creating space that like slow down <laughs> that we all seem to be really craving nowadays. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I also do Naked Cake, which is a nude women's trauma integration circle. Um, and that is a traveling circus. So if you'd like it to come to your community, please send me a message because I take it all over the place. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So far, it's been mainly Western Canada, BC, Alberta, and Saskatchewan. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I want to I wanna take it everywhere. So mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So many ways to so come many and so many and... more I didn't mention, but we'll be here all day if I tell you all of them. So just, just look me up, send me a message. Let's be friends. <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me today, for sharing conversation with me. And um, I will definitely put all those links in your show notes for this episode. And please come yes. back. Like, yes, for yeah. sure. I would love to. <laughs> yeah. And please Wonderful. come visit me and get some pelvic work. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Wonderful. Awesome.